everybody, can you hear my voice? Yes, a little else, Sam. Ah, tough shit, you got no choice. So grab a glass and sit back in your chair. Cause Uncorked is going live to There's a countdown. We're using a new tool and there's a countdown. Dave, that countdown, was exciting. Yeah. It has more than the numbers on one hand as well. I'm um, it's, it's, usually it counts down from five, but that particular thing counted down from six. I don't know what yeah, that's all about. Half a dozen. <sighs> Hi, Dave. Uh, hey, Sam. Uh, this uh, Welcome welcome to Uncorked. I'm Boutique Dave and my co-host, obviously, is always here, uh, Dr. Whiskey. Um, welcoming you to the world of whiskey and everything else about whiskey and what we do with it and why we're here. Um, Clucky, we are the official podcast, apparently. The official podcast, as recognised by Tales of the Cocktail. Ooh, ooh, go and get <laughs> Drop that in. it in. Uh, um, um, official podcast also of Boutique Whiskey, the global independent bottler. Um, don't forget to head to our website or our socials, Boutique Whiskey, and you can always find me uh, living on Twitter, as usual, at Boutique Dave. Sweet. How's things? It's been good. I mean, we did a podcast, the first podcast of 2021 recently. And yep. now, and since then, we've been told there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We might be allowed out of our cages soon. I'm looking forward to get out of this, out of this room and go and see some friends and some family, even if it's walking around the village or the other villages. Yeah, definitely looking forward to a bit of release. Um, see my eldest daughter, which I haven't seen since end of last year. Uh, I know she only lives... The next village, but uh. yeah, but that's crazy to think about. I was moaning to a friend about having not seen my parents back in Canada in a long time, or my wife with her family in Norway. But um, then realized the people in the UK whose family lives down the road, or you know, up up the road, wherever it is, also haven't seen their family. So I, it's it's coming. Let's stay optimistic, and the future is bright. Definitely, I'm ready for it. Also, because it's March, and March. Oh, hello, fella. March brings us a very important thing in the whiskey calendar. You know what that is, Dave? It's our one-year anniversary of being locked into our rooms. <laughs> right. Oh, that's, no, not that one. Well, that's when whiskey sales went really high up. That's right. When we, <laughs> Certainly in here they did. Yeah. Oh, God, tell me about it. Healthy lifestyle and all. But no, St. Paddy's Day, I think, is a big deal globally, and it's, a, it's always a good whiskey topic. And we wanted to sort of touch on it, uh, even though we've we've had Irish episodes in the past. We had Charlie McCarthy come, and that was, I think, our oh, was, second episode. That was our second episode, and we did it in a proper studio, didn't we? Oh God, that was overdoing it a bit, wasn't it? That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. St. Patrick's Day. It's uh, when everybody looks into their family history and decides. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they we're have Irish. Irish ancestry, and we're Irish too, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to. Drink Guinness and we're going to drink whiskey. Woohoo! But that's, yeah. uh, that is an amazing thing. Like, I'd love to talk about that with our guests, and, but let, 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 let's in, introduce them and, uh, and take it from there. Uncorked is live. Yeah, yeah, to help us celebrate St. Patrick's Day uh, in March of 2021, uh, we've uh, got some perfect guests for you. Let's introduce Alex Chasco from the Teeling Distillery and Stephanie Shen from the Dead Rabbit Whiskey Distillery. Well, it's not a distillery yet, is it? Welcome. 
It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, yeah. yeah. Officially, well, that... we are um, the Dublin Liberties Distillery. It's the the big umbrella that uh, our 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 branding sits under. So, but I can't speak for what's in the future. Just secret things. Always well, secret. that is the in summary. That's the story of Irish whiskey is coming <laughs> coming soon. Uh, but where has it been? Let's let's start with just understanding the two of you. I know that um, there's the classic joke that whiskey begins as beer. Um, and Alex Chasco, Alex at Teeling, your your beginning in booze was in beer, wasn't it? Yes, I started out in the beer business, and that back when it was craft beer. Yes, uh, so or, or uh, micro brewed beers, uh, even. So yeah, I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. And uh, would have been in the craft beer scene in the 90s back in Portland, uh, working at a little brewery, Bridgeport Brewing Company, which has the distinction of being the first place uh, in uh, North America to brew IPA. So, uh, yes, I started the whole IPA craze uh, over there. Now, we were doing a bunch of different beers at the time. We were doing ESBs and IPAs and porters, basically English cast-conditioned ales. And um, yeah, got a taste for uh, beer and uh, started looking around at other breweries and ended up working at Pyramid up in Seattle and uh, then went and got my master's at uh, Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh uh, in brewing and distilling. And one thing leads to another, met an Irish woman and uh, I'm living in Dublin now for the last, what, 15, 16 years, uh, making whiskey, as you do. Well, you, you, you got involved. I mean, you're in the craft microbrewery d- tradition in America, the boom period in the 90s. And you make your story sound so blasé, but you can, I guess, recognize how many people your story inspired since. I can think of Matt in Seattle. There's many distillers on the West Coast from that craft movement who also went to Harriet Watt and followed that path. So yeah, stop, don't be so yeah. modest. Yeah. Was, well, I'm not trying to be modest. I'm trying to be uh, uh, compact. <laughs> I'll go with that. Yeah, no, you know, it's been a a long trip. It's been an interesting trip. It's one that certainly took me places I didn't think that I would uh, go to. Um, But that journey of looking for new and unique and interesting flavors has really uh, led to, well, the four corners of the earth, really. And that's been, yeah, great. Lucky journey to be on then. That's so cool. Yeah. And and then, Steph, how about you? Stephanie Shen? Dead Rabbit, but so much before that. What's your what's your path to whiskey? Um, <clears throat> so I was a bartender for about ten years, um, based in Dublin. I've been in Dublin my whole life, and uh, yeah, just really, really um, got very nerdy about flavor, and um, you know, like Ireland, um, Dublin in particular, has been quite behind the kind of global trends of cocktails. So I feel like. You know, mm. 10 years ago when I first started, there was, I think, one single cocktail bar in Dublin City that was like the bar, you know, um, and there was very few people that were doing cocktails outside of like a Sex on the Beach or an Apple Teeny or, you know, like a Black Russian. And so the craft cocktail movement kind of started, um, I would say, like two or three years into my career. And at that stage, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And as I got really into cocktails, um, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me a lot as a bartender was the fact that I couldn't champion any Irish products. 
So, you know, like the any kind of whiskey base for classic cocktails or um, even like modern classics, they're typically an American style whiskey. And, you know, occasionally you'll get a scotch in there as well. And um, I think for, for Irish whiskey, we only really had Jameson. That was kind of like, you know, it's the, the bartender's friend um, and we imported everything. So anything we wanted to use, we were importing. And I kind of just reached a point where I was trying to like, I was actively looking for more Irish products that we could use. So when the Irish whiskey industry started to kind of grow and explode, it was just really, really awesome to be a bartender and to take pride in that and be like, oh, my God. So now I can finally recommend you more than this, you know, two distilleries worth of products. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. And then like the obsession with flavor just kind of I'm still really, really into cocktails, but I'm also really, really into whiskey. And they just kind of were like, hey, you like cocktails and talking and whiskey. So I kind of just fell into this role. And here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. Thanks for falling into this episode and being here with us, because I think it's it's two interesting perspectives, um, because obviously uh, the parallel I was just making, you know, being involved, Alex, at the boom of the the craft beer, the microbrew movement in the States. And then also getting this Irish whiskey boom that Stephanie's a part of, and obviously you are as well, getting both waves of that. It's such an impressive uh, time, an important time to be involved in, in, in drink and quite cool that you're at the center of it. So Irish whiskey, and you mentioned Dead Rabbit, um, Teeling's a distillery that started being built in what, 2015? Yeah, the distillery was built in 2015, but the company itself, uh, formed in 2012 and so when we started out there in 2012 it was exactly what stephanie was talking about that we were trying to address it was like we know bartenders want to use irish whiskey but they're saying it's not standing up in cocktails we can't you know you, you add a mixer to it you add some sort of a bitters in there and it's completely gone so that was the challenge that we really had in 2012 with starting up to the tea and whiskey distillery was how are we going to make an Irish whiskey that's going to be used in these great cocktails that people are coming out with? And the, the answer that a, was... You don't have... Yeah. Sorry, the answer was 46% and a rum cask. Yeah, so they boost up the mm-hmm. flavor. Let's, let's, let's bring the flavor to the forefront. And I think you know, that's the key also with craft beer. The whole thing with uh, IPAs at Bridgeport was basically tripling the amount of hops that would have gone into a beer previously. And at the time, hops were, you know, a dollar a pound. And so why wouldn't you add three, like an extra $5 and you've got a boom in beer, right? And and the same, I guess you could say, with what we did with the small batch uh, at Teeling. Like, why wouldn't you put it in a room cask and add an extra layer and dimension of flavor in there? Why wouldn't you, you know, the choice to go to 46% wasn't rocket science. It was laying out whiskey at 50, 58, 46, 44, 42, 40, and then just getting a room full of people and saying, which one tastes best? And everyone saying, I like that one. All right, 46%. People like 46%. Let's take it to some bartenders and, you, and, you and see what they a, can do. And you don't need a chill filtration either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that saves you a couple grand. Saves you and a when couple you're starting that <laughs> you know, company, that's money, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but fundamentally be pursuing flavor because you don't have a distillery and Steph it's a similar situation with dead rabbit don't have a distillery Teelery doesn't have a distillery yet in 2012 but still has this aspiration to pursue flavor or to believe that Irish can do more than we've seen so far and the world wants more of it so then what's the next step after that well you just you start on this journey 
right? As soon as you get going down that, you know, golden path, like one step leads to another. And it's, it's really just a matter of like, how far do you want to go? Do you want to take it like in craft beer to, you know, kumquat bubblegum hazy ale? Or do you want to go down some other direction? Or where do you want to go with it, right? And uh, I think Irish whiskey has a, a, a wide future in front of it with unique cast types, with unique mash bills, with, you know, use of different kinds of yeast, with use of different kinds of wood. And there's all sorts of different things that you can do in Irish whiskey. And, and I think that it has a history that you can draw upon, right? But it also has the freedom to, to go forward in new directions, which is exciting. Well, that's what Teeling's done from the beginning. You always had experimental cast. You always were looking to push the limits. You have a little more liberty. I'm choosing that word carefully with double liberties. <laughs> we have a li li little more liberty um, with oak or with wood, excuse me. No, no, not oak, but with uh, with wood that you can use and even previous components that you can use, previous um, contents that you can use. So that must have been exciting to be able to look and say what we're planning now, we may not even realize for 12 20 years, but let's, let's test it and see. I mean, that's inspiring. Yeah. It's been great to see how consumers have responded to that, right? How both bartenders and, you know, whiskey nerds and people that are just, uh, um, you know, mildly interested in, uh, the whole, um, whiskey revolution, uh, how they respond to it has been really, uh, amazing. Well, then, Steph, speaking of bars then, so Dead Rabbit, what, what, what's the roots of, of the Dead Rabbit brand and the, and the whiskey inside as well? Um, so there's a little small cocktail bar somewhere in New York that you may have heard of known as the Dead Rabbit Bar. <sighs> um, but yeah, so, um, you know, just a super quick snapshot. It has won almost every award that you can conceive of for a cocktail bar to win. You know, it's best cocktail menu, best cocktail team, best um, cocktail bartender. Like they have won... A, um, a mountain of awards uh, but they're also um so they are in manhattan and what they they've done is is they from the get-go sorry it was set up by two guys from northern ireland sean muldoon and jack mcgarry and essentially they wanted to bring the spirit of irish hospitality to the u.s and you know they created this phenomenal cocktail bar so they're really at the forefront of you know the cocktail revolution globally but also they championed irish whiskey which is something that as i've already mentioned you know like 10 years ago irish whiskey was pretty much sidelined to you know you can do shots of it you can put it into an Irish coffee um, or you can have it alongside a beer. And that's kind of like those were the, the roles that Irish whiskey had. Yeah. And, yep. you know, cocktail ingredients were, you know, for the, the kind of, you know, again, very heavily focused on rum, on um, American whiskey, on gin and on vodka. So I feel like, um, you know, the Dead Rabbit uh, as a bar and as a team, the fact that they chose to champion Irish whiskey in this super intense cocktail program that they had, they were introducing Irish whiskey in a completely new way that I had just had never been done before. And I really do feel like, you know, they were a part of what started the movement and the interest in, in getting people excited about Irish whiskey again. Because it's one thing if you want to make, you know, 75 different variants of Irish whiskey and put it out on the shelves, that's absolutely fine. But, you know, what they did was they were able to generate interest in the category as a whole and so you know after you know potentially 
um, putting a lot of uh, a lot of footfall or consumer focus on other brands, they were like, "Hey, you know what? If we're really good at cocktails, we really like Irish whiskey. Perchance we should make an Irish whiskey." <laughs> so um, they're from Northern Ireland, and uh, they knew Daryl McNally, who um, used to be the master. Well, he actually he fulfilled a variety of roles, but he had almost twenty years of experience in bush mills and left um, as master distiller, or sorry, head distiller, but uh, they already had known each other. And so it just seemed like the perfect match, you know? So you have Darren McNally, who has this wealth of Irish whiskey experience, which is quite rare, you know, and in the previous um, kind of era of Irish whiskey, you had essentially three operating distilleries. So, you know, those job roles were limited and the experience within Irish whiskey was quite limited. So to have someone with 20 years of Irish whiskey experience was a big bonus. And then essentially you had Darren McNally, um, you know, pushing on the side of kind of history and quality and ensuring that the, the Irish whiskey was going to be solid. And then you had Jack and Sean and Julian Vose, their beverage director, and the rest of the team really pushing to ensure that, you know, that the whiskey was was correct on its own. So, you know, you've kind of got the best of both worlds trying to create something that was kind of multifaceted and was was good for bartenders, but also good for, you know, sitting at home around a fire and sipping with your friends. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that makes, that sounds like the, the perfect fit for you, doesn't it? Because like, where your roots were and also the fact that it is the, this great ambassador for Irish whiskey in a cocktail bar and then a brand that embodies that, that's, that's Stephanie Shen all over, it sounds like. Pretty much, me in a nutshell. I swear to God, like, <laughs> I'm still very, very excited. Like, I got this role, um, I'm in this role over a year now, but obviously with COVID, it's not the role that it should be because there hasn't been that massive amount of travel and interaction. But, um, yeah, I'm still like a giddy school kid, you know, it's just... It's such a phenomenal liquid, but also the fact that there is this freedom where, you know, from a brand point of view, they're like, we want you to explore it from a flavor point of view, as opposed to just like, like, I'm never going to be the person that's wearing a paddy cap going in being like, oh, no, you will take your glass and sniff it at exactly 45 degrees. Like, that's not me. I'm going to rock in either. and be like, hey, have you put soy sauce in your old fashioned yet? You haven't. Oh, my God. Let's go wild. And then, like, we can talk about, like, the flavor profile and the science behind it. But, like, really, it's delicious. I feel like I was kind of made for this role. It's a dream. Well, Dave can certainly relate to feeling made to talk about whiskey, but loving it that much as well. And also being trapped, eh, Dave? Yeah, feeling trapped, yeah. and I But I still pinch myself every morning that I've been given this opportunity to talk about boutique whiskey. You know, since I've been here, quite a bit, I lead my engineering role back in 2016, 17. I can't remember, you know, so... Yeah, to, to come from, you know, whiskey was my, my passion, Steph, and uh, it, it was just a hobby and uh, doing things on the side, doing, doing weekend shows and then standing in for people and then doing whiskey clubs and then doing tastings and going on and on from there. But uh, yeah, to, to be offered an opportunity to talk about whiskey uh, and, and certainly with boutique, I mean, it's, it's a whiskey geek's dream because we just bottle anything and everything, you know, any, <laughs> not any, anything, but... Yeah, interesting liquid. So it's not just single. I think that's how stuff. most people started it's... out, though, in this industry, right? Like, unless Jack Daniels was your uncle or Jim Beam was your father, right? Like, you really I... you had to start out with a, a love and a, and a passion for it, and then somebody along the way had to say, like, "I'm going to give that kid a chance." Yeah, right. Mm. 
well, how lucky are we then, all four of us, to be to be that kid? I'm gonna pour a little brabazon. <laughs> I I have some. Of Cheers to us being lucky. To play with. Cheers Slange it. Dave, you mentioned a second ago about boutique bottling everything exciting, and that, that brought up something that I was thinking about, about, or I've always thought about Irish whiskey. You know, in Scotch whiskey um, tradition, there's the independent bottler. We're independent bottlers, you know, quite 21st century independent bottlers, if we can be honest. But that tradition exists, you know, of, of casks being surplus to distillery needs and having, um, yeah, brokers or other companies uh, have some inventory and bottle it under their own labels rather than the proprietary label. In Ireland, I mean, other than the uh, the Celtic whiskey shop, uh, owned by a Scotsman who, you know, I think 10 years ago or whatever it is, moved over and set up this concept. Or no, sorry, 2003, I think it started. But, you know, he, he started bottling and labeling independent bottlings of Irish whiskey. Until then, that really wasn't heard of. Um... With that context, I guess in the U.S., people talk about sourced whiskeys and tealing when it started, uh, our, all of our whiskeys, and certainly Dead, uh, Dead Rabbit as well, would be called sourced whiskeys. But I wonder if we could explore that a bit and see why that shouldn't be a four-letter word, as it is so prominently, I think, in the U.S. My take on that would be, having been you know, part of this industry for well, a couple of decades now, um, the contraction that Irish whiskey had as it went from 60% of the world's whiskey right down to less than 1%, right? And he went down to basically one and a half distilleries at the, the worst part of it there because Bushmills for a while. You can, just- you can visit episode two if you want to go to Uncorked Whiskey Sessions. <laughs> yeah. Episode two does the full history with Charlie McCarthy and Dave. Go ahead. And sorry. far more eloquently than I could ever do that, right? But you have that, that, that great uh, contraction that took place, right? So all of those, because there, there were independent brands before in Irish whiskey. Historically, they, they did exist, right? And um, oh. what happened is now we've, we've got a, a point where, the, okay, the industry in the 80s started to take off a little bit with the, the formation of Cooley, right? And then you had uh, multinationals coming in. Uh, with uh, Tullamore Dew and all of that sort of stuff, and and it's and it's it's accelerated a lot more in the last five years, but it's still very much in the early days there. And uh, so I think that there is a possibility for independent bottlers, and there's a role for that in the industry as it moves forward. But you've had such a contraction of the stock previously, and I think that that's part of the magic of what the Teeling Whiskey Company did was tried to uh, break the rules a bit of like, okay, we don't have to be a well-established brand from the 1800s that's, you know, making, you know, a, um, a caretaker, if you will, of an, an existing international uh, multinational corporation, right? We can go out there and we can be a bit of a disruptor and, and change things. And I think the Dead Rabbit is definitely doing that with regards to the views of the, the Irish pub, right? And you're right that that in the U.S. has happened traditionally with sourcing and maybe not would have been in the forefront. People would have been buying casts from other people and, and using it under their existing labels or, or brands. And I guess to an extent that happens in Scotland too with your uh, blends, right? The, the, the whole point of a blend is that you can use whiskey from wherever. You know, you don't say what, where the, you know, it's coming from. Um, so... I think what's important for, for me as a, as a whiskey geek 
speaking for myself, is that um, there's a lot of different variety there in shades and, and oxygen being brought into the category at the moment. And as long as that's happening and people are staying true to whatever their vision is, then I think we're going to be in a good spot in six, seven, ten years from now. You know, if it comes in but to be more Me Too brands, I think we could be in trouble. Yeah, right. Well, there's certainly a lot of original thinking in the in the whole Irish boom right now. We'll speak a bit more about other distilleries, but I think Teeling, if we're honest, probably put a lot of wind in the sails of that whole movement. I mean, it, would it be fair to say, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this, but to what degree do you think Teeling's supply of old Irish whiskey, because they must have shared it, they must they couldn't have kept it all to themselves, because it seems like there were there's a lot of mature um, sourced new label whiskey that made it to the, the small hands. And I think that's. Yeah, really I think the Teeling family, a beautiful talking story. about that. Yes, yes. If you're speaking of the Teeling family in a broader sense, absolutely. John yes. and his uh, being able to, um, well, <laughs> how would you put this? His, his ability to supply sourced uh, whiskey to new and starting entrepreneurs is, is a, a breath of fresh air. Uh, there, right, and that, that that simply didn't exist previously. The, the larger uh, players in the past kept it all for themselves and, and wouldn't allow people to to buy five or six barrels and try their hand at selling a couple thousand bottles or something, right? Um, and I think that Stephen and Jack have taken that maybe in a different direction, but have also said, okay, there's all this new area that we can go into where a blend doesn't just have to be, you know aged in bourbon casts and what's your malt content and uh, what's your age on it and that you can go at 46%. You can go in different cast types. You can do, you know, all these different things. And if anything, we've sort of gotten a bit um, crazy, I feel, in that um, there's people say like, oh, how many bottlings is there for teeling? I, I have no idea. No clue. <laughs> there was a guy last year that was trying, he's like, is it, I've got 200 and whatever. And I was like, what? 200 and like, and he was looking at me like, is that the right number? Like I had some rolling figure in my head. Like, <laughs> how many different bottlings? No, because done. at the end of the day, they should be like the, everyone probably envisions that they're like a precious baby, you know, that you know the names and the age and exactly the shelf they were on in the warehouse. Like this is what I feel like. Some people, oh really yeah, they are like, all precious babies. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you ask a mother, like, um, oh. That, that child's very cute and they're able to tell you like they were born three seconds past six in the morning and they weighed exactly this much and you know the sky was gray and like you know mothers remember very specific details about a child's birth that you you probably don't really ask for but they'll give you anyway so i feel like whiskey people who are really into it when they go to tastings that's what they want they want you to be like tell me exactly about the birth of this whiskey but all people really care about is is that kid gonna piss on my carpet so would you, would you say, Steph, would you say, Steph, that there's a different consumer attracted to Dead Rabbit than maybe someone who's putting a Glencairn glass or a Tua glass and nosing it and writing a blog? Um, <clears throat> I think that there is a wide variety of whiskey drinkers now, which is like 
amazing it's it's beautiful for the category and it's you know as as an irish person i like i take a lot of pride in the fact that irish whiskey is 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 growing globally and it's becoming um a more globally recognized brand but even within ireland there are so many people who you know i would say 10 years ago like you know working in a bar half of the people you'd meet would be like i won't drink whiskey and it was that was like hard line i will not drink it whereas now you know there is especially um I would say in the last like five years, there's been a massive uptake of people drinking whiskey more. So I think that with the variety of people drinking whiskey is also being matched by the variety of liquids that are available. So for me, I feel like if anybody who was like, hey, I don't really like Irish whiskey, my answer would be you probably just haven't found the right Irish whiskey for you because, you know, it's it's one of those categories where they're especially in the past five years, you know, and like Alex has been leading the charge with like the diversity within the category, but there is so much diversity going on, you know, and it's a really, really exciting time because now we're kind of, you know, we're building on the past and, you know, like, I know you touched on it on the last episode you had for Irish whiskey with the Irish whiskey technical file and the regulations for pot still and stuff like that. But the Irish whiskey, you know, association are kind of like considering changing a couple of things, which, you know, it's, it's just it's just a very innovative, exciting time because we're still taking from the past. But there's also, you know, so many people who are looking towards the future and doing super strange things. Like, I don't know if you saw recently there was the... um the um oh my god what is the word oh there's a word science science has failed my brain um there was a research research there we go there was oh my god there was research into the the concept (laughs) yeah we got there (laughs) but there was research into you know this um idea of terroir within the world of whiskey and about you know barley and where it's grown and if that's going to affect the the final product so sorry it was very rambly but essentially i think that they're you know there's just a massive variety of Irish whiskey now, but it's also been matched with a massive variety in drinkers. So, you know, if, if you like, you know, a, a, one of the tealings, like say if you were to take small batch and then you were to take like the black pits, you know, the person who likes the small batch might not necessarily like the black pits and that's okay. Because there's yeah. enough drinkers now that, you know, you can, you can... <laughs> <laughs> I owe you five euros, Stephanie. <laughs> you can give it to me after, that's totally fine. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was literally so. just talking to Robert Teeling the other day, um, and 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 he was t- well, I'd like to talk about your distillery actually and your distillery tour virtually because that was just incredible going through that. But he was talking about all the different types of malt that you've been using, which is you know it's generally commercial Scotch whiskey is talking about making whiskey for the blends. You know, ninety percent of Scotch whiskey around the world is still drunk as blended Scotch whiskey. And that figure is slowly falling away as the malts are taken over and yeah, other distilleries are changing the way they look at making whiskey and changing their their types of malt and their types of yeast and their fermentation. But Teeling have gone ahead and done all of this within a very short period of time, trying lots of different things and it's quite a small distillery, isn't it? I mean I I it's not a huge distillery, um, th- just three stills, um, two wooden uh, two wooden washbacks, yeah. and, and how, was it just six stainless steel washbacks? Four. Four. So, yeah, Four it's a pretty, steel pretty compact yeah. little distillery there, but you're doing an awful lot of new stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah going through this, let, let's talk about your virtual 
virtual tour of the distillery because that was bloody interesting. I must admit, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it is great to have the virtual tour because, you know, we would have had normally 120,000 people a year going through the real live tour. So when COVID hit and right before, you know, St. Patrick's Day, which is basically the kickoff of our season, like the, the season sort of starts at St. Patrick's Day and goes until, I don't know, October, November, sometime around then. Uh, and so we knew the impact was going to be massive. And the question was, okay, how do we still engage with people? How do we, because the tour is that touchstone. It is that thing that people come to like, yes, we are a real live working operating distillery in the heart of the liberties. It's not fake. We're, we're doing everything the way that it should be done. You know, and we're the, the big secret. I always tell people when they go on a tour, there's no secret, right? So, so how do you try and bring that to people's rooms is virtually you have to do. And, and thankfully you can do this sort of Google earth, click your way through the distillery experience. And there's little videos there that'll tell you about what's going on. If you want to do it on your own, or if you're lucky enough to be part of a group like Rob there, you know, you can um, use that as a tool to trying to talk about the process. But for me, it's all about the process. It's all about the mill and the fact that we set up our mill to be able to take as you said, a variety of different uh, materials, raw materials in there. So we can use crystal malt, we can use chocolate malt, we can use basically the kind of things that are used regularly every day in the brewing industry to create beer, right? So what goes into your porter and your stout and your brown ale and your red ale and your light lager and all that, we can we can utilize that technology, which isn't anything new. That's been you know used for, well, let's be honest, hundreds of years. Uh, and that we can take that enthusiasm and that interest in the raw material, right? And then apply it to, and, and why limit ourselves to the wooden washbacks and the stainless steel washbacks and one or the other? As a proud Oregonian, I, we had to have Oregon pine <laughs> in there, right? It was going to be Oregon pine washbacks. <clears throat> I didn't know how that was going to necessarily impact on our flavor at the time, right? When you go back eight years ago and you're sort of putting it in your head and you're like, okay, we're going to have two wooden washbacks. You can see into them. That'll be good for the tour, right? The, the impact that the lactobacillus and the Brettanomyces has on creating a sour uh, fermentation and then the impact that that has on our actual final spirit, I maybe didn't fully grasp I'll admit, even with the master's degree in brewing distilling at the time, I, I, you know, the Japanese talk about the microfloral and fauna of the distillery and how that impacts on their whiskey. But I was sort of, sort of you know, I think if you're going to vaporize this liquid, literally vaporize it, right? Three times, right? You're going to boil it, right? And you're going to condense it back down. And, and how much of an effect will a little retinomyces or a little bit of staff or something in there going to have on the final flavor of your, your whiskey. But I, it turns I wouldn't out, have thought much, yeah. but actually it does. It turns out it does. Yeah. There's a, there's a flavor that teeling whiskey has because of the little things living in the wooden washbacks and the um, stills that, that was pretty, it was probably fear or anything else because we had stock right? Coming from a variety of different distilleries. If you're going to build on that, if I'm going to come out with a product that's using somebody else's whiskey, right? And then in 10 years time, hope to be able to match that. I need flexibility. 
So our stills can be charged from any one of the vessels and any one of the vessels can be distilled into. So we could dis we could distill, we could create an endless loop if we wanted to of redistilling everything, right? We could, uh, we've got a huge amount of flexibility and technology in those stills to be able to go down the double distilled route, to go down the triple distilled route, to be able to take something from the very beginning and bring it forward to the very end or whatever. Now we haven't utilized I'd say 80% of that flexibility there. But that flexibility is there because I knew it's easier to put a pipe in when you're building the stills yeah. than it is to put it in after you've already had the stills in place for 20 years. Uh, and, and what that's allowed us to do is to yeah, focus on that flavor. Because I think flavor is the thing that people really care about. Like it's, I can tell you, oh, this bottle has got so much in it that there's the blah, 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 and this and that, right? But when you actually take it and smell it and taste it for yourself, that's that's when you decide, hey, I like that. That's good, right? And that's both uh, incredibly uh, powerful, right? And it's also uh, a bit of uh, putting yourself out there and uh, hoping that the world's going to come back and say, yeah, I like it, right? So... Um, there's a there's an excitement and a bit of fear that's involved. So, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I just poured the um, single malt here that I've got, and it's I've forgotten. It. I haven't had it for a little while. I must admit, it's been in the cupboard. Um, I can't remember when I last had this out, but it's it's it's. I think it's absolutely cracking. This one is from uh, 2015, I think April 2015. This one. It's been sitting in the cupboard for a little while. Ah, I remember it well, yeah. Dave. I remember. You yes, remember where it was on the shelf? Day, um, <laughs> it was. What? Yes. And, and you, yes, that was in the far right and corner you of the warehouse, uh, which is a bit drier than the left. And this side was the very the cap warehouse. you were wearing, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, but all all that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think I had a doctor's appointment. <laughs> in the I tell you, we um, do get uh, as an independent bottler, we get asked that sort of. You know, what cask was it in? Oh, the finest oak, obviously. But there's something about. Uh, <laughs> only the the hand selected probably but that that is some people want to gra find something about of course. Uh, a whiskey i'm sure other things too but in our case whiskey to grab onto maybe because maybe people are scared i think you pointed to that a second ago alex people are scared to take that risk and be wrong maybe about flavor like you're you're making what you make put it out there and leave it to subjectivity to see if people like it but if people are left to only pursue flavor and say, oh, is this nice or is it not? Or is it quality or is it not quality? They're at risk of being wrong. So I, can, I sometimes am sympathetic to the, the movement of people saying, oh, what's the fermentation time? Or how tall are the stills? Or, you know, the, the things we're making fun of. Um, at least it's a way to navigate. The That's, angle but it's of a the way to navigate that, yeah. an intimidating category. Yeah. And it's also a way for somebody to say, I'm an yes. informed consumer and my you know, impressions are important, and uh, can you well, please acknowledge fuck those people, right, yeah. Dave? <laughs> 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 uh, it, it, I must admit, I, I used to go around with a notebook and ask all those oh things. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I've stopped doing it so much. Yeah. yeah. Uh -oh. oh. I think it's time for a game. It looks oh, like it is. <laughs> so we played and. Anna, it's my auntie anagram anagrams are mixed up letters that form another word and we've cleverly called this anadrams <laughs> see what we did there this is our saint patty's edition so it's all related to irish 
distilleries or uh, bottling companies in some instances because the distilleries aren't online yet. But strictly speaking, Irish whiskey brands. Um, there'll be anagrams. We can give an example to start and we'll start there. What we will need though is to buzz in. How are you going to buzz in? I hope you have a bottle to hand. I know Alex has got a couple. Steph, you got a bottle to hand? Uh, yes. Sorry. Wait, how are we buzzing in? Are we, are we doing the little... What's the name of our program? Uncorked. Uh, I was kind of hoping I'd have to do like a pterodactyl scream or something. It, <laughs> I will not miss it. <laughs> we'll know when you buzz in if you do that. So look, whatever you're comfortable yeah, just, with. Oh yeah, do the pterodactyl scream. I'm looking forward to it already. Can you hear that? Wait, how do we know whose bottle is whose? I can hear the different pitches. Dave has got that weaselly. He's going for a 20CL thing, right? Alex, let me hear yeah, yours. Oh, lovely. And that, oh, right in between, Steph. Pitch-wise, you're right in between. I think you're at a All B right, flat. Please. I'm just kidding. A B flat of uncorking. <laughs> yeah. I play a little bit of bottle. All right, let's, let's do it. We'll do run round just to see the nature of the game. We'll show you an anadram, which are, in this case, is baking gel. Remember, of course, people are listening to this, not necessarily seeing it. The first one is baking gel. This podcast is available to stream from most of your podcast platforms or to watch on YouTube Uncorked Whiskey Sessions. Baking gel is which distillery? It's currently Beam Suntory, I think. That's, that's, what I, that's the word I see in there. I think it has the old Tullamore still in it. It has a water wheel. Kill. Kill Beggum. Thanks for all the clues. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, that was that was the warm up round trying to help. I'm now I'm Ooh, getting nervous. Oh god. <laughs> 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 Ooh, oh, that was oh, easy. <laughs> I feel like my palms got sweaty. <laughs> Look, our colleague Roz isn't here. Dave isn't very competitive. I'm super chill. Don't worry. This is not this is not competitive. Okay. It's for entertainment okay. purposes. But we all know Kilbegan. Um cool little distillery and a lovely lovely spot to visit, actually. Um, it's very nice. An, yeah. an interesting story background, you know, community-based background too, with reopening it as a museum, whatever it was in the 80s. So it's kind of yeah, cool spot. Anyway, let's continue to the next one. Golden Laugh. G-O-L-D-E-N Laugh L-A-U-G-H Now that is Oh Oh I don't know That's definitely you, Steph Don't worry That's you Oh my god Oh, I forgot Oh no, no Glendalock It Very well done Aye Yeah Glendalock County Wicklow Beautiful gin Award-winning gin, right? 2011 But a younger distillery they bottled some aged stock, probably from you guys. And uh, and uh, I think some of their stuff is available now, what, seven-year-old and maybe some no-age statement stuff from their own distillate. Um, but another cool new wave Irish distillery, and that's what we're talking about. Let's move along. Good job there, Steph. You're on the board. The next one is Ooh, Farted okay. Row. Farted Row. F-A-R-T-E-D. Oh, I think that was Dave, was it? That's got to be the, the terroir. Terrorists? It's got to be terrorists. It's got to be Waterford, surely. It is Waterford Distillery. That's right. The farting, what was it? Farting something. It is Waterford Distillery. So, yeah, terroir. There's plenty of that being covered. The blue bottle, you've seen it. You're trying to make sense of it. You've heard people debate about it online. Just taste it. That's what matters. All that matters, taste. 
Next one, mild tone, M-I-L-D-T-O-N-E. This is an anagram for an Irish distiller. I'm pretty sure you've been a customer of it in the past. <laughs> That's Middleton? absolutely right. I didn't hear your cork. I'm sorry, Alex, but that is the Middleton distillery. He needs to start <laughs> screaming like a pterodactyl. <laughs> that, that definitely did the trick. <laughs> We really should, when we edit this, John, we should put, we should overlay the scores because uh, that would look cool. Then I'd be able to keep track. But I think, I think it's one all, isn't it? Well done, everyone. Next one is disinherit liberals. Yeah. Lots of letters there. Disinherit. A lot. Liberals. Disinherit liberals. Yeah, I think Dave's in with. Is that the Liberties Distillery? You're missing, you're missing, you're missing... I'm missing everything. Life, normally. Everything. D confusing, though, <laughs> wasn't it? Isn't that confusing? I was very wow. confusing. Because I think Liberties is, is what you would guess. Absolutely, but... Yeah, yeah. Nope. No, it's Hibernia. Mm -hmm. These guys are, it's, it's a bottler, but you will have seen it under um, the brand Hyde, probably, depending where you yeah. live in the world. Oh, yes. And set up, uh, I think, five years ago or something, maybe, by a couple brothers, uh, Connor and Alan, in West Cork. Cool bottlings and uh, something fun to try, for sure. Under the name Hyde. Hibernia. Okay, next. Lush limbs. <laughs> Lush limbs. Dave's in. Oh. I think he beat you, bud. Sorry. Dave, come on. That's going to be Bushmills. <laughs> it is Bushmills, but Dave, come on, be a host. Be a gentleman. <laughs> uh, I, I want to hear more pterodactyl screaming. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm not even doing a good pterodactyl <laughs> scream. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm letting, I'm letting pterodactyls down everywhere. <laughs> That's okay. Al, not as much as Alex is letting himself down. I think he's kicking himself about that last one. Yeah. I, I, I'm getting confused by the horse <laughs> That's our distraction. Yeah, that's my lovely horse from one of our labels, isn't it, Dave? It certainly is. I'm wearing the T-shirt. Oh, shit. I should have done that. Well, I'm wearing Irish colors. It's the same pattern. All right. Good to the show. That's right. It was Bushmills. How about this one? Birdie Bulletins. Birdie spelled B-I-R-D-I-E. Bulletins. Mm -mm. Dave was pretty close to this earlier, I think. Oh, do come on. No, That's right, I, Steph. No, Steph, do it. No, it's not. It is. Oh, Dublin Liberty. <laughs> Dublin Liberty. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Even she knew it. What? Okay, you're throwing me off. Now. Oh, God. <laughs> right. I think you're right. I hope you're right. You are right. Dublin Liberties. Well done. Yay. All right, two, one, two on the board, I believe. I could be wrong, but let's see. Uh, let's go to the next one. Another anagram. The highlight of our show, the silly game. This one's law bracket. L-A-W-B-R-A-C-K-E-T. Oh. Oh, Steph is in. Definitely taking a strong lead. Tying Dave. Let's see what's happened here. Steph. That's brilliant. Black, black water. Black water, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Blackwater. Yep. Oh, Very good. Some, they've been doing some really interesting. I was talking to them a little while ago, Peter Marvine, and, and the uh, the green malt that they've been trying to process. 
Well, that's a name that comes up a lot, isn't it? Peter Moll Ryan. So his his role in sort of the Renaissance as well. Um, that book you bought his book recently, didn't you, Dave? Whiskey's. I, I have got a couple of his. I've got one. I've got one of his books. An old. It's an. I've got an old copy of it, but I need to get the update one. Yeah, definitely have it somewhere in here. I can't see it at the moment. I've got that old book myself. It's a it really is a cracking book. Um, but the distillery's yeah. still young, right? It's like six years old, but. Do they have their own whiskeys out now, or is it just still a velvet cap? No, it's still just the, okay. the sourced. Yeah, but they're yeah. getting close to yeah. three years old now. The future again. Uh, Oregon uh, distillery. Oh, is it? Too. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the distillers from Oregon. Yeah. Crafty, crafty. We're taking over the world. You're going from a one, one distillery at a time. <laughs> so from one, you, you wanted to get out of the climate in the west coast of the United States, the northwest, so you went to... I... Yeah, it's like it's far too perfect there. Where can we... Oh, I know, we'll go to the banks of the Blackwater River in Ireland. That'll be perfect. Next one in the Anadrams game is oink well. Oink like a pig noise and well like the deep water source. What? <laughs> oh, that's the best. Steph, that's you, I think. Steph is really getting competitive now. <laughs> just excited. Um, Cologne? Oh, nailing it with Cologne, yeah. Right, very very good. good. That's an adorable little very farm good. distillery, isn't it? You guys been? Oh my god. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. I really love all of their products. But how far they got a worm condenser? Like, uh, that kind of gently rested pudding as well, mm. like this week, the quigger. Yeah, so that should be uh, another funky thing to try. Yeah, awesome. I think is that the pudding that um, Charlie gave us when we recorded this about a year ago, Dave? Oh, I don't know which one he gave us, but uh, yeah, we had we had a he bought a suitcase full of different Irish whiskies. <laughs> <didn't he? laughs> oh, it's the uh, Boan. Sorry. Oh, it might have been, yes, yeah, 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 I think you're right. Oh, it, wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the, the one that comes from under his mother's sink that the policeman would bring around. No, no, we <laughs> wish for that. That would be right up our street. But yeah, no. Killowen with the worm tubs, worm condensers, and 50CL bottles. They're after your heart, Dave. They are after my heart, yeah, definitely. Worm tubs, 50CL bottles. Oh, and they made this Perfect. glass, didn't they? I put mine Was downstairs. I didn't, it's the tour, yeah. In, con nice. in combination? with someone else I'm certain yeah yeah no that's right they're not they're not class <laughs> professionals like, I don't know if they put that out themselves probably <laughs> let's move on cow posturer c-o-w-p-o-s-t-u-r-e-r cow what this doesn't look right to me cow posturer I can't figure that out I'm struggling. God, how many distilleries are there? It's a cow and the horse. He's <laughs> trying to throw you off with psychedelic imagery. <laughs> Come on, save us, Dave. Save us. <laughs> I think we're running out of time, people. The butter is going to come. It's coming at you. Here it goes. Oh. Oh. Uh-uh. Oh, I was uh, trying to think of the name. Powers uh, Quartz. <laughs> cut, cut. Let's go for the, the uh, turn out talk again. Is that what you said? Oh, I missed that. Is that what you said? What's the one with the waterfall? 
Yep, so it's on a beautiful estate. I've, I don't know much about the distillery at all, actually. But what's the brand they release as, though? It's not pow- called Powers Court. It's called F. It's with an F, isn't it? Uh, for so Fern, Fern Cullen? Fern Cullen? It's for Cullen. Fern. That's it. So Fern this Cullen, is, sorry. <clears throat> so this is the Noel, where Noel Sweeney went after Kilbegan and B. Okay. And have we tried any of it? I haven't, yeah. I don't think. Dave, mm. no? No, no. Oh, yeah, it's lovely whiskey. Yeah, very good. Oh, that's good to hear. So exciting. The future of Irish. The future is Irish and female. All right. Yay! Bail his gal. Bail his gal. <gasps> Let's bail his gal. Ooh, this is going to be a hard one. Oh, you know, it's got to be that crazy... I can't even pronounce it. Gaelic name, though, guys. If that's a clue, I don't know. I think it's it's. I think it's on the west coast. Gaelic name. I feel like I should know this. Oh yeah, yeah. I couldn't even spell it, but it's it's a bunch of things that would make a Canadian embarrass himself with trying to speak Irish. <laughs> go on, you got it. Come on, Doctor. I'm gonna go with sleeve. Oh, leg, sleeve leg. That's close enough. Uh, I mean, I say that as like the only Irish person. People are gonna come for me and be like, "Step." Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's like sleeve leg. That's how I would say it. But sleeve leg. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, you got the bh sounding like a v, so I feel like that's kind of the hardest part of that battle. I've learned something from all those. What you see now, people will. Track me down parties. for my terrible Irish pronunciation. Look, all interaction. They'll come after me before they come after you, Sam. That's fine. Exactly. <laughs> all engagement is good engagement. If it's at your expense, even better. <laughs> this has been another episode. Oh no, sorry, another game of anagrams. We'll keep talking, but I think that's the end of the game. I think at the end, Steph was on top, Dave, by one. Oh, at least. Too, I would have thought, and extra points for the squawking. Yeah. Yeah. I knew my pterodactyl screaming would come in useful one day. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> I've been practicing for so long. <laughs> I only got the easy ones. You got all the difficult ones. <laughs> now, before, we, before we before we started recording, I mean, this well, this is celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, uh, yeah, it's a year ago that St. Patrick's Day really was, we really never got to celebrate St. Patrick's Day properly last year. Uh, but it is that day where, it, you know, the whole world seems to c- celebrate St. Patrick's Day. You know, certainly across the States, rivers turn green. Um, everyone looks, certainly over here, we all, you know, put Guinness hats on and we go out on pub crawls and you know we all, all look for that little bit of Irish heritage and pretend we're Irish for the day and take days off and go on pub crawls and all that sort of stuff. Why would you think that is? Why, what, what, how, how has that happened? This marketing of St. Patrick's Day. I mean we don't do anything for England on St. George's Day. There may be a few. There, there, there isn't, you know, St. Andrew's Day, St. David's Day was at the beginning of March. Um, not a lot, you know, people, you know, yeah. not a lot happened. Yeah, yeah St. Andrew's Not Day, happens, yeah. But St. Patrick's Day, right around Global the world. Global so, so true. I, I actually, um, because I knew this was St. Patrick's Day themed, so I was like, as the Irish person on this call, I feel like I need to get some St. Patrick's Day facts. So, <laughs> I feel like I might have an answer for this. 
Um, so first and foremost, I would like to say that in general, um, because we're an island nation, there has always been this kind of idea of us being the underdog, which is always very appealing to everybody anyway. You know, like if you're watching like Rocky or anything, it's like you're cheering for the underdog. You want that guy to win. <laughs> so like, unfortunately, with St. George, that's not just he's just not the underdog. He's like the very angry, aggressive dog. So, you know, people, I feel like they want to, you know, support the Irish because we are this tiny little island. But also, um, you know, the uh, like even though Irish or Ireland has technically been considered neutral in a lot of different um, conflicts and um, the Irish have still enlisted within different armies and you would have found Irish soldiers kind of all across the globe so the first ever St. Patrick's Day parade was actually in the U.S. And so for a long time, they thought that the first parade was in, I think it was 1737, and it would have been um, a group of Irish soldiers that were deployed within the British Army. And they would have celebrated it because they missed home. And they were just like, well, we just want to celebrate being Irish. Um, But actually, the first ever St. Patrick's Day parade was um, in Florida. Of all places, it was in Florida. Um, so it was a place called St. Augustine in Florida. I do not uh-huh. know geography, so I don't know if it's a real place or not. But this is what the internet told me, and the internet would never lie. <laughs> so apparently there was... <laughs> never. never. Apparently there was a Spanish colony that was based in St. Um, Augustine. And there was um, an Irish soldier who had been fighting all across Europe. And eventually he got moved to the Spanish colony. And then he decided that he wanted to join the priesthood and become um, some kind of priestly figure. Um, so I think he was a vicar. And essentially, he, when he was based in St. Augustine, he introduced St. Patrick to the locals there and they adopted him as, you know, so St. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland, but they also adopted him as the protector of their cornfields. And so they actually had the first ever St. Patrick's Day celebration in 1601 and they celebrated with like the usual festivities. They had food, they had wine, they had, you know, music, but they also just like casually had like cannons going off as well. Cause you know, the protector of your corn fields obviously deserves like, you know, a bookload of cannons going off. But yeah, so apparently the first ever St. Patrick's Day parade was in Florida um, and it would have been, you know, in a Spanish colony. So I feel feel like you know with the kind of decimation of, of Irish kind of all over but unofficially so it wasn't the Irish army that was bringing this it was Irish people that would have been within other European armies and they mm. just kind of brought this spirit of we miss home you know and this is a really cool thing and also you can't really it's I feel like St. Patrick is like one of those figures that you know he didn't really do anything bad unless you're like a pro snake person um, and you know you, you don't <laughs> unless you fall into that category I feel like there's nothing that you could be like oh that's St. Patrick I don't trust him in general he was like you know he's a pretty cool guy he came over here he got rid of the snakes you know like he was, he was grand so I, I feel like that's probably why you know so many people are so excited because he's a figure that you can kind of get behind and you don't have to feel guilty about it you know mm. Unless you're Catholic and then you just feel guilt all the time. That's fine. That's 24-7, yeah. <laughs> Alex, what do you think? Do you have a hypothesis or a read growing up in the States? Or I think it is that diaspora 
I think it is that that widespread Irish tribe that uh, probably made it big. I, uh, I know that in uh, Ireland, the St. Patrick's Day actually was one of the days traditionally where the pubs were closed. And I find that ironic that like it was now it's uh, Christmas Day uh, that the, the pub is closed and uh, Good Friday was used to be the big one that the pub was closed on. Everyone be upset like, oh, why is the pub closed on Good Friday? Right. Well, actually, Good Friday, they didn't care about before. But it was St. Patrick's Day that the pub was closed on traditionally, so so that's an interesting. I don't know how it, how does it flip, right? How does it go from like dry completely to like super booze fest? I'm oh, is it a sure celebration of Irish <laughs> being Irish, like you were saying, Steph? It's about Irish, Irish music, Irish stories. I mean, I, I remember I worked in the Far East for a number of years, and there was an Irish bar in in the little town where I was living. And on, on St. Patrick's Day, you headed there and someone got the banjo out and someone had the fiddle out and there was music going and we were drinking black black stuff and drinking, yet drinking. Um, but it was a celebration of, of being Irish. It was Irish food, uh, mints and tatties and stuff like that, coming, you know, that sort of thing. But th this is in the Far East. I mean, normally everything's rice and, and uh, fried stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, there was, yeah, yeah, someone would always bring the banjo out, someone would always bring a fiddle and, and off it would go and the, someone would have the... The wheat drum, I can't remember what that's called, but the the, the, the tambourine, yeah, the tambourine without the without the cymbals, the and it'd be bashing, yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, it was always uh, someone have a whistle. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. always a it was always a great crack. I mean, I I, I loved it. Yeah, always enjoyed being Irish on the seventeenth of March. So does, but see, that's the thing. So does everyone. It's global. It's interesting. There's something that resonates, whether it's that just maybe it is something about that underdog thing you mentioned, Steph. That everyone loves the underdog, but feeling that whatever adversity the Irish might have faced that we can all take, take hits and stay cheery and, and have a, have a good night out. However we reduce it or translate it in our corner of the world, it's resonated. There's Irish pubs all over the world. Um, yeah. There's everyone knows what St. Patty's day is all over the world, which is just an incredible thing for a, a small Island, uh, Island nation, like you said. And I think, I think we could probably pontificate and throw our own stupid ideas about this for a long time. And I always say these episodes so let's, but oh, then some let's. poor bastard have let's to, because I, I always say we should, we, we could talk forever, <laughs> but an hour is approaching. And then I think, well, then some poor bastard has to listen to it. So we won't, we won't <laughs> talk forever, but that is, that is, that uh, that's coming somewhat to it. So listen, happy St. Patty's day, whenever you're listening to this and to you guys in a, in a, in a few weeks. Um, I just wanted to wrap by sort of talking just quickly about the future of Irish whiskey, not necessarily in your uh, corner of it, you know, not necessarily with your brands, but just because we have seen St. Patty's Day become this ubiquitously, you know, this, 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 this event, global event, so strongly associated with Irishness, um, and Irish whiskey until very recently meant really one or two things. There were really two options around the world. That's, that's what Irish whiskey meant. And now with this pursuit of flavor and with innovation and with sharing and, and this whole, uh, new movement of, 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 various different types of drinkers and also various different types of producers. What's the future of Irish whiskey look like for you? Do you think, can this grow forever? Or is there a ceiling? How, how's the future going to look? I defer to Alex. I think it's looking pretty good at the moment. Yeah. I think that uh, what I go back to is uh, that, that craft beer experience, right? And I think what happened with craft beer is that people woke up one morning and realized that like beer could be more than just this fizzy yellow drink and that there was pale ale and porter and hefeweizen and all these this wonderful world of beer out there right 
And if you're a beer drinker, you can go and you can you, now you can go to your local store or off license and you can find 60, 80 beers. That's not unusual. Crazy. That's true. Right. I think that that's going to happen and start it is starting to happen with Irish whiskey. Right. And it's not just Irish whiskey. It's whiskey all over the world. And that people are starting to realize, well, whiskey doesn't just have to be at 40% alcohol. It doesn't have to be, you know, straw, golden color. It doesn't have to be one dimensional as far as the flavor profile. You can have all of these other different things in there. You can have a, a bit of peat if you like it. You can have a bit of uh, caramel toffee. You can be real floral fruity. You can be grassy. You can have all these other different uh, things. And, and what's been really exciting that I've seen from my personal view in the last eight years is that bartenders can then take that and can go and run with it. And so you can start to see Irish whiskey in daiquiris. You can see Irish whiskey in tiki drinks. You can see Irish whiskey in Long Island, or no, sorry, White Russians. You can see it in all sorts of different ways in which bartenders are, are taking Irish whiskey and using it in new and unique and interesting ways. And I think that's what the Dead Rabbit has sort of shown us a bit of a, a lighthouse, if you will, of, of where we can go. But once you start to think outside the box and look for new things, right? The world's your oyster. And I, and I guess in the same way that like craft beer is that genie that's out of the lamp. I think Irish whiskey has just been uncorked and that there's going to be a, a huge, huge. Yeah, Soundbite. Like Someone time code that. <laughs> Growth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's bright. Um, are there going to be people doing stupid stuff? Yeah, of course. Uh, is it going to be the end of the world? No. But, like, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different directions that we can go in. And, and Irish whiskey is a great canvas. It takes on a lot of different flavors, and you can, you can do unique things with it. You can mix it with different uh, mixers and bitters. And, and you know, to, there's a, a lot of different ways that you can consume it. So I, I think the future Dave, is Dave, you probably agree, right? We... You know, we at Boutique, we are independent bottlers of the world of whiskey, and it's the it's the best time in the history to to be in that sort of game. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the, the amount of great whiskey being made right around the world is just blows me away every time I meet a new distiller um, and, and come taste this. And uh, yeah, it's uh, some some cracking stuff being made all around the world. So Toby That's Cutler, who's our head buyer, he wanted to make sure I asked you, Alex, if you have any casks that you'd like us to independently bottle, you just let us know, and we'll. <laughs> we might have a few in the dark uh, corner there of the warehouse. A, yes. Uh, yeah, boutique teeling. Yeah, it rolls off the tongue. Boutique teeling, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, Dave, so we're, we're bottling. Steph, do you have any, sorry, do you have any closing words or thoughts about the uh, future? No. Oh, I mean, it's just exciting. I think that Alex very eloquently puts together the, you know, the future is really bright. Um, as someone who has been living in Ireland, working in the bar scene, like seeing the growth and even now that I'm kind of on the other side in the world of whiskey, I just think that it's a, it is, it's, I feel like we're just on the cusp of an explosion. You know, we're just, we're kind of at that point where you can feel the energy that, that hasn't been within the world of Irish whiskey for a very long time. And it's reflected in, you know, the, the variety of people who are drinking now, but also if you're looking at the branding of, of new, um, new whiskeys and stuff like it's no longer aimed at a specific type of drinker there's just it's just like a breath of fresh air so it's very very exciting i'm very excited i think i think we all are man it's really it is really exciting i raise a glass to the whole industry and the future of irish whiskey because i think there's a lot of cynics and naysayers and whiskey nerds and folks who put their opinions online and maybe say well 
who's going to be drinking all this Irish whiskey in the future? Well, they've been wrong before. They were wrong about craft beer. It's a global phenomenon. They were wrong about single malt. Single malt's a global phenomenon, and there's new drinkers all the time. And I think Irish too, whether you're the smallest distiller or a great northern, um, the, the future will be in someone's belly. Let's hope. So let's re- drink to that. Slancha. 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 Sure, Slancha. All right, Dave, you know, we bought, we, we're bottling the world. We've done, what did we do? We did a rye series from distilleries all over the world. We did world series. And what's and our next series relates to our next episode, right? We're, we're recording later this week down under. Yeah. We are. Our next series will be all from Down Under, so a whole series of um, Australians' malts and of rye, which I'm really excited about. That's, uh, yeah, some cracking stuff coming from Down Under. I can tell um, you're really excited. Do you want to convey that to us again? you want to take that from the top? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, there was some bloody cracking stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm in love with that rye, that Belgrove, Belgrove rye. I mean, I'm absolutely blown away by that, and uh, and certainly the... the uh, the distiller there was yeah quite just a amazing. character talking to him was just oh just brilliant i just that's one of the best times i've had just chatting to him and all the, all the, the stuff that he's been doing making everything uh i just get out there and do it that aussie yeah that aussie style and i work with a load of aussie boat builders and it's just that that get out there and go and do it you know don't don't fuck around just get out there and do it yeah and, uh, yeah that, that whole attitude of Rather than knocking down, bringing people up all the time. That's what you've, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah banter and, and piss taking all the time. But it's always about building up rather than pushing down, uh, which I always loved about working with the Aussies and, and yeah partying. And the, the key reason the Aussies partying that's what I remember most about work hard, party hard. Yeah, nice. Well, we'll talk more about Australian whiskies. We're bottling nine of them, aren't we? Yes, eight or nine, eight. I should have checked my notes, but either way, we want to talk about it with uh, uh, Drinks Adventures. That's our next episode, so tune in then. We'll share this ahead of St. Paddy's Day. If you listen to it, thanks for listening to it. Subscribe and like and all that stuff, and I'll send you a thank you bottle. No. Dave, Dave will send you a a dram? How, how do we bribe, Dave? Uh, I'll, I'll give you a big hug next time I see you. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll take one of those. I will like and everyone subscribe will. for a hug. Oh, everyone will. That is my everyone God. Everyone wants a hug at the moment. Yeah. Who doesn't want a hug? Yeah. Well, Come on. Alex, Steph, I want to hug you both. Thanks a lot for being here uh, today. Thanks for taking the time. This has been Uncorked. And as as always, I've been Dr. Whiskey. Uh, yeah, I've been Boutique Night. You've been Alex. Cheers. You've been Steph. Thanks, guys. Dead Rabbit and Teeling. Slanja. Slanja. Plunger. Cheers. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Day. Hey, everybody, can you hear my voice? Yes, a little loud, Sam. Ah, tough shit. You got no choice. So grab a glass and sit back in your chair. Because Uncorked is going live today.